Let's take our Bibles and go to Psalm chapter 32. Psalm chapter 32 is probably my favorite psalm. And um, I even have a, uh, uh, some cufflinks that I like to wear that my wife got me uh, when we were first engaged that have uh, Psalm 32.8, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way that thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. And that's, that is really my life verse. And then on the other one, she has her verse, uh, Psalm 40, verse 3. I will, uh, let me turn to that real quick so I don't misquote it. She did, she did, she did. She got me a, a gift there when we were engaged. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. Psalm 32 David has sinned previously to this chapter, to writing this chapter. Nathan had confronted him, and now this is after the confrontation that we looked at in 2 Samuel 12. This is after his confession to the Lord in in Psalm chapter 51, but it's very closely connected. This psalm was written... Uh, in a meditation on that two-year period that he had spent apart from fellowship with God. And, and really both in praise to the Lord for his forgiveness and long-suffering, but also a remembrance of that lack of fellowship. And I want us to look at one significant theme as we come into contact with the Scripture tonight and as we're making our way Uh, through the week, really, the Passion Week of remembering what Jesus Christ has done for us in His death, His burial, and His resurrection. I want us to look at the theme of the blood of the Lamb that had to be shed. So let's look at Psalm 32. You found it now in verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Father, would you help us tonight as we look at your word? to remind us of that covering that had to, had to uh, the, the price that, that had to be paid for that covering to be complete. And without that shedding of blood, there was no remission. So, Father, would you uh, take this time tonight, or would you make it precious to each one of us? And as we remember the blood of, of our Savior, Jesus Christ, or would that blood be once again precious uh, in our eyes? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Without even understanding the full impact of the new covenant, David here is is recognizing the blessing that comes when our sin is under the blood. He says his sin was covered. It was absolutely underneath the blood. There was the, you could not see it any longer because Christ While we forgive and sometimes forget, Christ forgives and he separates our sin as far as the east is from the west from us. He truly does forget it. He chooses to. Verse 2 says, Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. And in those first two verses, he uses three different terms to describe what God does to put away our sin. He uses the term forgiven, and the idea behind that is that Jesus literally has lifted the burden that was, that that burden, that debt that you and I carried. The second word he uses is that that idea of covering. Uh, 
And that's the sacrificial blood that was celebrated at the Passover every year, still is celebrated by Jewish uh, people, both Messianic Jews and, and other Jews. That, that sacrificial blood that was the covering for our sin. And then he uses a third term that is a, maybe a little bit harder. He says in verse 2 that the Lord imputeth not iniquity. Blessed is the man unto the, whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. And that the idea behind that is it's a bookkeeping term. In other words, what, what has happened now because of Jesus Christ paying the debt that we owed is that Jesus does not count that sin against you he ca- because he counted it against Jesus. It literally was laid on him, as First Peter tells us. The, the iniquity of our sins, the, 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 the chastisement that we deserved, as Isaiah 53 recounts, was laid on the Savior. Verse 3, we see the remembrance of what happened in David's life when he was holding on to his sin and not confessing it before the Lord, that sin with Bathsheba. He says, When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer, Selah. And in that moment, David was in a relationship with God, but he was not experiencing the joy and the blessing of fellowship with God. And I would dare say that many a Christian today, because they are not, uh, because they, they uh, don't understand the true forgiveness that God gives by the blood of the Lamb, they will have a relationship with God, but they will not know all the joy and the blessing that came because of that new covenant. So what steps did David take to restore that fellowship? There's four steps that he took in verse 5. He first acknowledged his sin. I acknowledged my sin unto thee. He became transparent. It says, and mine iniquity have I not hid. He agreed with God. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And then he actually believed that God would forgive him. And thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. It is the Christian that does not believe God that he has truly forgiven us of our sin. That same Christian will be in a downward spiral of discouragement their whole life, wondering if God truly ever loves them. We need to, as Christians, believe God when he says, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, he will save you. That's for salvation. And also when 1 John 1, 9 tells us that he will wash away all of our, of our sins. Uh, let me turn there so that I don't misquote it here. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to believe in his faithfulness and his justice. So as we see the covering of the blood, we turn our attention now. This was before the new covenant was in place. This was during the old covenant of, uh, where David was living. But now we turn our attention to right now today as we remember that, that week that took place. 
If you remember Jesus, as we walked through the book of John together in these last few hours with his disciples in John chapters really 13 through 17, is preparing his disciples in those last hours, teaching them about the the role of the Holy Spirit and how he would come. And then as they drew nigh to, to that evening when he would be betrayed, which in this Passion Week would be tonight, where Jesus would be betrayed, they would eat the Last Supper together, he would be betrayed, and then he would spend that Wednesday evening in a pit waiting for trials to to take place the next day and, and just mere hours away from his crucifixion and then burial. Let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 26 as we remember that night. Jesus had eaten with the twelve. He had eaten a meal with them, and he had even washed their feet feet together. He had girded himself as a servant and served them, even Judas. He washed Judas' feet that night. And then when the betrayer had gone out and was at work, Jesus took that time to establish a new covenant between God and man. You say, how can, a man, uh, how, how, how can anyone establish a new covenant? A mere man could not do that. Jesus was no mere man. He was the God-man. He was 100% God and 100% man. And there that night, he, a new covenant would be established that would change the course of history. And as we turn our eyes to this new covenant tonight, in remembrance about what Jesus has done for us, I want us to ask ourselves this question. Am I accessing the joy and the blessing of that covering, that new covenant in his blood? Am I accessing all that God would have for me? Matthew chapter 26 and verse 26 reads this way. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and brake it, and gave to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. When the bread was lifted at a Passover meal, still today, the head of that table would stand up and he would break the bread and he would say this, This is the bread of affliction which our fathers ate in the land of Egypt. Let everyone who hungers come and eat. Let everyone who is needy come and eat the Passover meal. That was, that's Jewish tradition of what the, the head of the, the household would do. Everything that was eaten in that Passover meal held significance to Israel's past. The bitter herbs recalled the bitterness of slavery. The salt water remembered the tears shed under Egypt's oppression. And then the main course of the meal, that that lamb that was served at that Passover meal was a freshly sacrificed, remembering how they slayed a pure, innocent lamb and put the blood on those doorposts and on the head of that house so that judgment, the judgment of God would pass over that household that believed. Verse 26 says, Take, eat. This is my body. And then verse 28. This is my blood of the New Testament. Jesus didn't stand up at the head of the table 
and start explaining, at least to our knowledge, he didn't start going through all of the significance like many households would of the different things that they were eating. His focus was no longer the suffering of Egypt. He was turning their attention to a new covenant that was going to be established. He, he wanted them to focus now on the sin-bearing suffering that would take place in just mere hours on the cross. Verse 28, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Right at the heart of the New Covenant, in just these first three verses as Jesus is giving this Passover meal to the disciples, right at the core of it is the gospel. The gospel of the new covenant. The fact that the blood of the lamb would need to be shed for the remissions of, remission of sins, and it was the responsibility of those that heard it to do what? Take. He says in verse 26, take. This wasn't something that was forced on the disciples. He said, take it. Take, take, eat. One must actually receive it. A quote from Spurgeon. Spurgeon said, I anticipate that someone will say, Am I then to have Jesus Christ by only taking him? Just so. Dost thou need a Savior? There he is. Take him. Take him in. Take him in. That is all that thou hast to do. Now, don't misunderstand me tonight. I don't, I'm not saying that taking the Lord's Supper merits you in any way salvation. But Jesus, the very night in which he instituted the Lord's Supper, this beautiful remembrance, drew us a picture of salvation. Just the same way you take is the same way you have faith and you take Jesus Christ. As we eat the bread tonight, we should remember how Jesus was broken, about how his body was pierced, about how he was beaten, and with those stripes, he, he claimed our redemption. And as we drink the cup tonight, we remember his blood, his life that was literally poured out at Calvary as that spear went through his side and out came blood and water. Literally, his very life poured out on the ground for you and for me. Verse 29, But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung on him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, we have a promise tonight. We have a promise that he's, that was the last time that he would drink of the fruit of the vine, but there will be a, a day where we all meet together to drink of that fruit once again at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelation chapter 19 verse 9 tells us of that, about how we will all be there gathered to eat supper with the, with the, with the Lamb. But we can also have a New Testament, while that will be a, a glorious day, we can have a New Testament relationship with God right now today, even though we can't see him. Sadly, as I said before, many people who call themselves Christians live as if this Passion Week never happened. They, 
live as if there's no inner transformation that needs to take place in a person's life. They live as if there's no true cleansing from sin, and so they, they live a defeated, discouraged, despaired Christian life. They live as if there's no word of God or will of God in our hearts for us personally. They live as if there's no new and close relationship with God. They don't know how to meet with God. And my friend today, if that's you or if that's characteristic of your life, then I would dare say that you're not experiencing all of the joy and the blessedness that David was talking about when he said, Blessed is the man whose sin is forgiven, whose, who, who, whose, uh, who, whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Are you experiencing the joy of that? And I don't mean, are you going around with, you know, a smile on your face everywhere and, and uh, you know, everything's peaches and cream in your life because there's no trials. Or, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm wondering, are you seeking after God tonight? Is there a desperation for, for God in your life? And is there a, a desperation for that joy that, that, would, that, that is a close relationship with God? So I ask you again tonight... Are you accessing the joy and blessing of the covering of the blood of the Lamb? Or are you, are you burdened with something tonight that maybe you think, that's a little too heavy for me and probably is too heavy for the Lord. Nothing's too heavy for Him. The Lord can... can it, it's interesting to me that the most, what should have been the heaviest night in Jesus' life, what does He do at the end of that passage? He goes out doing what? Singing a hymn. And we don't often think about Jesus singing, do we? No, no. I'm sure he had a great voice. I don't don't know what Jesus sounded like. But, But I do know this. Whatever he sounded like, Jesus was singing with not just a voice. He was singing with his whole heart in praise to the Father that night. Because he knew that joy would come after all of that pain that was to be endured. For without the shedding of blood, there would be no remission. Father, would you help us as we remember your body and your blood tonight to once again be thankful for what you've done. But Lord, I pray that it would go beyond, far beyond that, that it would impact us. Lord, that that remembrance of of the pain that you had to bear would keep us from sin, that we would think twice about uh, hurting you and and the the fellowship that we can have with you. Lord, would you you guard our hearts tonight? Lord, help us to examine ourselves and, and our relationship with you. And Lord, would you draw us closer to you during this time? Draw me nearer, as that song says, Lord, would you draw us nearer to you as we remember your, your body and your blood. In Jesus' name, amen.